0: I'm so glad to be with you all today. My name is Sharon Swift, and I'm actually a pastor at New Life Fellowship Church. I'm the connections and equipping pastor there. I'm so excited to be here with you here in Jersey City. Um, And I'm excited to be part of this sermon series on Jonah, um, exploring uh, going into the deep and exploring just how uh, great and, and tremendous God's compassion is for the world and his mercy. Um, and to explore this in this Lenten season um, is incredibly powerful. We we might be tempted to uh, look harshly on Jonah or think Jonah is a little ridiculous, but uh, we may find as we continue uh, exploring these passages that we are actually very much like Jonah and uh, what can we learn from his life as we uh, move forward in this very strange and challenging season that we're in. And so I'd like to continue today by starting at Jonah chapter 1 verse 17 and reading through chapter 2 for you. But the Lord provided a large fish to swallow up Jonah And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, And the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I'm driven away from your sight. How shall I look again upon the holy temple? The waters closed in over me. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the root of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. As my life was ebbing away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Those who worship vain idols forsake their true loyalty, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Deliverance belongs to the Lord." Then the Lord spoke to the fish, and it spewed Jonah out upon the dry land. Amen. Amen. Let's just take a quick moment to pray. Lord, thank you for your word, and thank you that it echoes through thousands of years to us today, and it still speaks. So God, I pray, speak today through your word. Change us shape us, make us more like you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray, amen, amen. I wanna tell you a little silly story of mine. Um, I have two daughters, um, 15 and 16 years old, and many years ago when I was pregnant with my second daughter, Abigail, um, I was carrying very differently than I did the first time I was pregnant. Um, When I was pregnant with Tilly, my older daughter, um, I kind of I gained weight everywhere. I I just there was no hiding it. I was my face was uh, puffy and my ankles and my feet. I mean I just looked swollen everywhere. But with Abigail, I only gained weight like in my stomach. I mean it was remarkable. It was just like drastically different the way I looked, and um, I literally. Um, I just couldn't get used to my shape. I literally had this like diameter around me. And when I would kind of walk through things, I had to remember that I had this like wide load in front of me. And so I had to walk very slowly, very carefully. I remember once I was in my boss's office and uh, I turned to leave the room and I literally swiped several things off of his desk as I turned. (laughs) So it was really an odd, odd experience, but it was kind of fun too. Um, But I remember one time we went grocery shopping. And we went to this particular store that had a very narrow uh, laneway up to the front door. And there's really just like one line of people walking towards the front of the store, into the store, and one line walking out. That's really all the room there was. And so we were walking, I like to push the cart. So Andrew and I were walking, Andrew's my husband, and I had the cart out to here because literally I needed that much space. And I was walking very slowly. And uh, the woman behind me was pushing her cart and I could tell she was getting annoyed. You know how you could just, pick up on that energy of another person that they're like frustrated or grumbling and and you know after a while she was kind of sighing and I could tell she was unhappy with how slow I was walking but there's really nothing I could do. Well at some point there was not as many people on this side and she saw her chance to kind of get ahead of us and so she did. She started and she, she turned to me to make it very visible and plain that I had truly annoyed her. And, uh, and so when she turned and looked, she saw my stomach. Now from behind, you really couldn't tell I was pregnant. I really hadn't gained any weight anywhere. And so all of a sudden she could see my profile and she was so shocked and she immediately apologized. She just was, she was just floored at how, how pregnant I was and how little she could tell. And, um, she was very embarrassed about it. And, uh, And it was a really remarkable experience. Um, But what I took away from it was I was thinking about perspective and how we lack perspective. See, from behind me, she couldn't tell I was pregnant, but as soon as she could shift uh, where she was and look from another angle, she knew exactly what was going on and she realized how limited her perspective really was. And I think about that when I read a book like Jonah We lack perspective as humans. And like Jonah, we don't even realize how limited our perspective actually is. And we do harm to others when we don't acknowledge that limitation and we don't ask God to help us widen our perspective. And so as God is working in all these circumstances around Jonah to try to expand his vision for how God is working in the world, God is also challenging us today. Is our vision of God's grace, his mercy, his compassion as big as it is for God? Is it as big for us? Is it big enough to encompass all that God wants to do in this world? Let's keep that question in mind as we uh, jump into today's passage. Because just a few verses earlier, Jonah almost brought harm to these sailors who were in this ship. And now he's being kind of careless with his own life. Um, He asks to get thrown into the sea. He's, He's not repenting. He's not um, saying, God, okay, I'll obey, which is kind of what the sailors are hoping he'll do. They don't really want to throw him overboard. But instead, Jonah chooses, he's, he's just being careless at this point. He asked to get thrown in. And so we see him get thrust into the sea. And we have to also keep in mind that the image of the sea for ancient people is an image of chaos, of evil, and of death. Um, and so, this is a big, shocking thing to be thrust into the sea. It's like giving yourself over to death. This is how uh, limited Jonah's perspective is and how stubborn he is about his perspective on the way God should work in the world. And so we see that this is why Jonah then gives this um, very lofty prayer in the belly of the fish. He realizes God truly did rescue him by intervening, he rescues uh, Jonah from death. And so the fish is really God's mercy to Jonah. And I know It might be hard to think of some of the practicalities of this big fish. I don't want you to get too hung up on on the details of that right now, how the logistics work. Is this literal? Is this a literary device by uh, the writer who's capturing this narrative? Um, You can make arguments either way because the book is pretty exaggerated, Um, but I would suggest that this big fish is pretty consistent with the rest of the book of Jonah. Because the bottom line is that throughout this book, God is showing his sovereignty. He's showing that all of creation listens to him. He's in control of everything and he can manipulate the uh, laws of nature to accomplish his will. And he will do it time and time again throughout this book. Even the sailors, right? They figure out how to hear and obey God. The storm listens to God. This fish listens to God, comes and swallows Jonah up and saves him from death, and then later follows God's orders to spit him out onto dry land. So we see that even later, the animals in Nineveh participate in repentance. We see even the gourd at the end is subject to God's will throughout this whole time, Jonah is actually the resistant one. Of all of the things that God created in the world, it's this one person who is supposed to know God, who is supposed to listen to God, who is the one who has generations of people before him who obeyed God. He is the one that won't listen. He is the one that actively resists the things that God is asking of him. And so God brings him inside this fish to shake up his perspective, to show him something completely different. And he enters this fish disobedient and he leaves this fish reluctantly obedient. Uh, we'll get to that passage, I'm sure, next week. But he enters this fish because he's, he's careless with his life and rather than repent. Rather than promise obedience, he throws himself into the water, or allows himself to be thrown into the water. But God's merciful. God sent this fish to protect Jonah from the evil of the water, from the chaos and the death that he would experience, and to shift Jonah and give Jonah time to change his perspective. God keeps giving Jonah chances throughout this whole book to get on board with his vision for the world. Here in this fish, he can be grateful to be rescued from certain death, and God hears his cries. But Jonah is still in this prayer yearning for God, but the God he encountered in the temple, the God that was at work in a certain way in the past he's clinging to what was familiar to him. Think of how ridiculous this is. He's inside of a fish, within the the inside, the bowels of a fish, and he's waxing poetic about the beauty of God in his temple. This book is filled with these kinds of um, absurd images to get us to think, to see ourselves. See, Jonah here, his main motivation is he wants to get to the point where he can return to the temple and he can return to the place where God has met him in the past. He can return to his people, the people he knows, the people he's comfortable with, the places he's comfortable with, and the people who are just like him. He doesn't want to go to the people that he's been taught throughout history are evil and can only cause pain. He's clinging to a nationalistic view of God at work in the world, that God is going to work through Israel and that people have to come to Israel. But God is making a switch here. God's vision was always to draw all people everywhere to him. But now God is actively pursuing people outside, outside of the boundaries of Israel. He's now actively at work Um, Beyond those national borders. And he is looking to do something very new in the world in a new way. And this is very hard for Jonah to accept. God is showing up in this part of history in a way that is true to who he's always been. And he's using the animals, he's using the earth, he's using the weather, he's using all of these elements to show just how compassionate, how merciful he is for all people. And God is using this change of scenery around Jonah to try to get him to shift his perspective and to understand God's point of view. Now, some of this might sound familiar to us because if we think about our own situation, God has, um, is challenging Jonah here, but he's also looking to make us think about ourselves as we read through this passage and wrestle. We're in a time when we can't gather physically in our temple the way we used to. We can't be physically together in the ways that we're familiar with. We can't look across the pew at the people we're used to seeing. Take a moment to think about that. Is God using this moment in our lives and in our history to shift our perspective? Is this an opportunity that God is taking advantage of to challenge us? Think about the people that we can be serving now in unique ways because we're gathering virtually. I think about how now I can see folks participating in Bible studies and different uh, equipping meetings who were previously too chronically ill to come out uh, multiple times a week, single parents who couldn't participate uh, easily because of childcare issues, Um, folks who uh, are, are just disabled in general and had to observe things virtually but couldn't be in the center of the community like they can now. There are some moments here that are allowing us to shift our perspective and think about community differently and look beyond some of our routine ways of reaching out to others. See, Jonah knows God is merciful, but he'd rather be staying in his temple. He'd rather be enjoying God's mercy for himself and for people that are just like him, not necessarily for the people he feels are unworthy of God's grace. So who are those people for us? We've all gotten coded messages growing up. Um, Who were we taught to avoid growing up? What neighborhoods were we told to avoid? What um, were we told about different groups of people from our peers? Who would we be afraid to bring home to our parents or to our family or introduce to our friends? We all have some of those people that we've been told maybe aren't ready for God's grace or to avoid because it's too risky. And God is also trying to reach Jonah this way. He's trying to get Jonah to see past these ingrained prejudices to see that all people are made in God's image and all are deserving a chance at God's mercy. So the question is, will Jonah forsake The comfort of the temple, worshiping with his own people, to do God's will, to go where God calls him. And this is a question that comes before us in this pandemic. While we can't gather, when we can't do the familiar acts of worship in the same room together and in the same places, how will we show up for the rest of the world? Are we willing to let go of some of those comforts and what is familiar and our old normal to see God birth something new in our world. Now, I know this has been an exhausting season, and trying to manage our lives in the pandemic comes with. A certain amount of grief and I don't want to deny that whether it's parents managing children um, and caring for and managing school, whether it's uh, as children we're caring for parents, um, spouses trying to uh, manage life together constantly or people living on top of roommates for extended time or, or our single people who have gone without a hug for months now. We know that life is filled with grief right now, and we want to recognize that. But we also want to believe that God is able to birth something new in us and through us for the world around us, outside our comfort zone. Are we listening for that prompting of the Spirit, for those places and those moments when we can reach beyond? is so reluctant to be this vessel of mercy, and he really only acquiesces because it's kind of he's facing death at that point. But that's the beauty of the gospel, isn't it? It reaches anyone, even the people we think it can't reach. Um, I think of myself. I was incredibly resistant to the gospel. Um, I was much, probably much like the Ninevites. i I didn't have any interest, and I'm sure they didn't have any interest in the God of Israel either prior to Jonah going. I was raised an atheist, even though my extended family for generations have been Christians. And uh, I, I was just, I was so hostile actually to Christianity. I think if there was any religion that I resented more, it was Christianity. I, I just was raised to know that Um, They will come and evangelize, and uh, here are the ways they do it. And my father made sure I was prepared to resist. And I was very proud of being an atheist, and I thought uh, it was my duty to make sure Christians knew just how ridiculous their views were. Um, I keep thinking about how many times people must have thought it was impossible for me to come to Christ, that I was so far and so resistant, and yet I did. God found me and let me tell you it shows that God has a big sense of humor that I became a pastor (laughs) because the last thing I wanted to do was be a Christian uh, let alone to be called to ministry and to preach Um, but anytime I think that there's someone beyond God's reach that there's a group of people beyond God's reach I remember my own story and I remember my that it's a miracle that I believe and that's true for each of us Those of us that believe, we remember the miracle of our own salvation. We remember that each of us is a testimony that God's grace goes everywhere, reaches everywhere, goes to anyone. No one is beyond his reach and his love. We love because he first loved us. And so I want to encourage us that God's grace is not limited, that his compassion is big, And we want to receive the challenge that Jonah is receiving here. And instead of resisting that expanding vision of God's grace, we want to embrace it. And we want to know that God's grace finds us wherever we are. And that it crosses political divides. It crosses injustices. It crosses even the boundaries that are put up by this virus. And he does it all through his people, those who are faithful to go those who listen to his voice in the big and the small ways. And so will you open yourself to this larger vision of God at work in the world? Will you be willing to hold on to that hope in the midst of a world that's starving for this kind of mercy and grace and compassion? As we uh, enter into worship, I encourage you to take a moment to really think about the people around you the people that you get to touch base with every day, even outside of your church community, who might be in need, that God might be sending you to, to show and extend that grace and compassion in this time of incredible challenge. Let me pray. Lord, I ask that you touch each one today, God help us each to think of a a person a family a neighbor who may not know you who may need that word of encouragement that sign of a care and compassion lord i ask that you lead us each to such a person how can we extend that care today how can we show the world around us, just how loving you are, just how much you care, just how much solidarity you show with those who are suffering. And I pray, God, that you would use our hands, our feet, our voices to be those vessels of mercy and grace in the world around us, God. Help us to be creative in a time when safety is important, And limitations are real. Help us to be creative in the ways that we show that your mercy and grace are still just as real. Be with us. Lead us. Help us to learn from Jonah. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.